Hey everybody, before we kick off the show, I want to do a very heartfelt shout out to a few of our amazing Patreon supporters. This week, shout out goes to Jonathan Haddock, Lisa, Rodgier, Robert Odegaard, Nat Wang, David Brauschinski, Sanketh Menda, Roy Tate, Dan L. Barker, and Eric Carpenter. You guys rock. If you want to join this amazing community and get loads of extras, check it out at smashingscurry.com forward slash Patreon. Let's get this show on the road. Look at him in this tiny bed. Why is he in a cot the size of like a two-year-old child's? That's on a PJ, Crow. That's on his PJ, reading his copy of Forbes. What's a PJ? A private jet. <laughs> Although I must say, the private jet looks remarkably like a small marabout. Just to let you know. <laughs> that's what you should do. You should rebrand your boat and tell people you're in a PJ flying around to avoid COVID nineteen. Smashing security, episode one hundred and eighty-six. This one's for all the Karens with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security episode 186. My name's Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. And Carol, we are joined this week by someone who's new to the show, a freelance journalist, a poet, a theatre maker. It is Michelle Madsen. Hello, Michelle. Hello. hello welcome. Hello. To new to the show as well. Very exciting. It's very exciting to be here. Thank you for having me. I think, Michelle, this is the very first time we've had someone actually call in from a boat, which is what you've done today, isn't it? I'm very excited to be uh, such a first for you guys. I'm on a boat which is currently slightly listing, but not sinking. (laughs) Is this like a humongous power boat on the edge of the Mediterranean? A gin palace. Uh, Small kind of like small floating shed (laughs) on a canal in Hertfordshire, but... She's my home and I love You're her. You're not on a cruise ship? No. Okay, no. thank God. <laughs> no. But no. I guess that the beauty of being on, on a canal during lockdown is that you could, in theory, move. What, what are the rules regarding that? Wow. Well, I don't think the government have been very explicit about this, have they? No, they haven't. So don't tell anyone. <laughs> no one's Huddle, huddle. Shh, just come round, everybody. So what I did, I was in London for most of the lockdown. Yeah. Uh, I, I, was, I was just about to move to Berlin and then the lockdown happened and I didn't have a sink or an oven in Berlin. So I was like, oh, no, I'm going to have to go back to the boat, which is inevitably going to have a disaster if I don't look after it. So I came back to the boat and then got stuck in London for a month and a half with some very rowdy ducks and some very nice other boat people. <laughs> and so I, and I spent a lot of time complaining about the joggers and then before I started jogging. So I was interviewed by National Public Radio in the States about how much I hated the joggers. So I must have been quite sort of angry about them. And then I escaped. I ran away to Watford because that's where everyone escapes to. And it's very hilly and pretty here, if a little bit weird and rainy so um and probably doesn't have the best wi-fi or internet connection in the world well i've moved to a better spot the last spot i was at there was nothing and uh, i had a lot of very frustrated people shouting at me going why can't i get hold of you um but um but now it's all fine and i'm on the radio and i'm on the podcast with you guys so that's amazing fantastic great to have you here carol what's coming up on the show this week 
First, let's thank this week's sponsors, Authenticate and LastPass. Their support helps us give you this show for free. Now, on today's show, Graham introduces us to the crazy world of Ray Hushpuppy. I used to love my hush puppies. Michelle shares her <laughs> fake news whodunit, and I tell a sad privacy tale of copy and paste. All this and much more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security. Now, chums, chums. I've really got to ask ourselves, why on earth are we bothering? What are we doing this for? Wait, you think you should end it all? Are you, is, what, what? Sui- is this suicide watch? What's what, going what, on? What are, what are we wasting our time for? It's, it's not, not that bad, Graham. It's not, <laughs> don't down. worry. I haven't got the COVID blues. <laughs> I am not saying this. It's cyber criminal gangs. They're getting depressed for years. They've invested their effort, their time, their money, investing in infrastructure, hiring malware developers and programmers and hosting sites in their attempts to make a fortune. And what have they seen? What they've seen is that it's easy, it's a doddle for anyone to steal a million dollars simply by sending an email through and asking their victim to wire through a chunk of cash. Oh, yeah, yeah, because I have like a million just waiting around for anyone who asks for it. Well, Carol, you could have if you had a criminal bent then maybe you would have been a business email compromise Criminal scammer. Bent? Yes. <laughs> I don't know that expression. You don't? A well, penchant for the crime? Yes, yes. If, oh, right. If you had a leaning in that direction, that's right. Then maybe you would <laughs> okay. have done that. Because there are lots of people who do. And it's remarkably successful. One of the biggest growing forms You're of like cybercrime. You're like a Daily Mail journalist. No, I mean, there's no, 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 a lot cruel, of people cruel. who do. What the majority? Are you encouraging people to do this? this no, of course of like, I'm not. I'm not. Is this and, another way of getting sponsorship? And, the, <laughs> and this week, we're, <laughs> the show is brought to you <laughs> by the Crouching Lion Gang. No, no, nothing like that. No, I mean if you if you read the FBI reports, billions of dollars are being lost every year by companies who basically have people scamming them. Who who, who get emails claiming to be from the CEO or claiming to be from some sort of supplier, asking them to send money into a bank account yeah. for work that's been done. And it, it, it works really well. So why write ransomware? Why hack into organisations and do really sophisticated stuff if simply sending an email works? That's what cyber criminal gangs have been questioning themselves. They've been looking at their navel as a result. Because seriously, <laughs> any bozo, girl, any bozo can do I this. Think most of them wear shirts. You know what? Well, you can't see your navel if you're wearing clothes. I don't. Would you imagine all these hackers are just butt naked everywhere? Okay, that's the that's the joy of being a hacker, isn't it? You can just hang around at home and not make exactly. Aren't, you. aren't we all enjoying that now, Michelle? Yeah. <laughs> well, if you could butt see. <laughs> now, uh, as proof that any bozo can do with this, there is a chap. His real name is Ramon Abbas, mm-hmm. but he calls himself Ray Hush Puppy. Good name. Yeah, I like his name. Hush Puppy with an I because he's that cool, right? Ray Hush Puppy, get this, has 2.3 million Instagram followers. Oh, is this another I'm so jealous of how many people he has? Versus- no, I'm not jealous. Okay. No, I'm not, I'm not jealous of his internet following. Okay. What I'm jealous of is slightly is his lifestyle. Because if you go up and look on Ray Hush Puppy's Instagram account, mm-hmm. uh, which is still available and live up there, you will see picture after picture of him in front of very expensive cars in his Mr. Hush Puppy <laughs> dressing gown you will see wow. him in front of private jets look you at him see... in this tiny bed why is he in a cot the no, size that... of like a two-year-old child's that's on a pj crow that's on his pj reading what's his copy PJ? of forbes what's a, a private PJ? jet 
Although I must say, the private jet looks remarkably like a small marabout. Just to it let does. You know. <laughs> That's what you should do. You should rebrand your boat <laughs> and tell people okay. you're in a PJ flying around to avoid COVID nineteen. <laughs> Okay, and I love how he got permission to park right in front of the Eiffel Tower. I'm right. calling BS on no, no. Hush Puppy. Seriously, go and check out. The, <gasps> have you seen this cake which Fendi I've made from him? I've seen the cake. That's incredible. Which has a little, <laughs> they've actually made a little doll of him, which they've stuck on the top and surrounded by Fendi bags. He likes his designer brands. He likes his flash cars, his designer clothes, but... He left a digital trail online which led investigators to his door because police believe that he has been responsible for scams which have laundered, well, hundreds of millions of dollars from businesses. This is this is you're saying he got rich because he's basically a hacker. So what he's been doing, allegedly, allegedly, can we can we insert a whole bunch of those? (laughs) Is is he is he is accused (laughs) He is accused of running an operation which targeted businesses around the world, tricking them into wiring money into his accounts. One of the uh, targets was an unnamed English Premier League soccer club, for instance. In another case, uh, they tried to get £200 million from a company running out of Edinburgh. Okay, how? How? How does someone go, okay, yeah, no problem. Here's the 200 million. Sorry. I'll explain this in just a minute because this is, as I was saying, this is the reason why scammers are doing this now and bad guys are doing this rather than writing malware so much. Anyway, he's been caught by Dubai police. They've seized 21 laptops, 13 cars, 47 phones. Does he live in Dubai? He was in Dubai, yes. He was in Dubai. But now he's in America. Who would live in Dubai? I mean, I did for a year. But did you love it? No, I absolutely hated it. Yes, but, I think um, I would hate it. I'm, I'm, it's just not, I, I like trees, water. It's a bit you know, rubbish glass. for a canal boat to buy. Actually, it probably isn't. They probably have most incredible canals in Dubai. They probably have canal boat lands, special canal boat land made specially out of solid gold canals, which you can't yeah, move. And from it space, it looks like one big, huge canal boat. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, Mr. Mr. Hush Puppy has been extradited to the States. If convicted, he faces up to 20 years behind bars. But he left lots of clues lying around on the internet. And obviously, there's lots of photographs you can still check out (laughs) as to his extravagant, rather ostentatious wealth. But the point I really wanted to make was about criminal gangs who are now moving into this area as well. There is a cybercrime gang, according to the researchers at Agari, who I always think should be pronounced Agari, but they have been monitoring a gang called... made that joke on the show. I know, it's still a funny joke, Carl. Uh, <laughs> they have been monitoring a group called Cosmic Links. Now, they've previously been involved with banking Trojan horses like Emotet and TrickBot and Android click fraud malware. Since middle of 2019, however, they've moved their attacks into targeting companies in 46 different countries, six continents, targeting senior execs at Fortune 500 companies, three quarters of whom had titles like general manager, managing director, vice president. Okay, so in English, basically, they're targeting the head honchos of companies. That's right. Okay. In lots of countries across the world. Lots of countries around the world. Okay. Uh, So this is an organised cybercrime gang. This isn't kids in their back bedroom. These guys are serious and they were making a lot of money beforehand. And now they've decided, hey, we, we can make money for less effort and maybe greater success using this method in, instead. And the, the way they do it is this. They will email, say, the vice president. I don't mean Mike Pence when I say vice president. I mean, you know, any sort of vice president. Uh, they will pretend maybe 
to be the company's CEO. And they ask the sort of second in command or uh, someone sort of in the chain. And they say, look, we are close to acquiring an Asian company as part of our expansion. And we want you to work with an external legal counsel to coordinate uh, the payments. But mm-hmm. it's obviously on the hush-hush. Got to be quiet. It's very sensitive tell no one. commercially. Don't tell anybody. And we've seen these sort of attacks before. But because this is the Cosmic Links gang, they do this with a really high level of professionalism. So you don't just get contacted by one scammer pretending to be the CEO. You also get contacted by people who pretend to be legitimate attorneys at a UK law firm, for instance, whose name will show up. And if you were to look up them up on LinkedIn, there they would be. But in fact, it's the bad guys again. And they're really good at it. No spelling mistakes, genuine looking boilerplates. They know all the lingo. And they even, when they start the emails... They'll say, you know, I hope everyone's doing well. You know, what a terrible time this is. They mentioned COVID-19 or how lockdown is looking for the company. And, you know, as they begin to use that, it's a message you would expect to get from a CEO or from a a legal firm. Mm. And it's really working. Mm -hmm. Low tech sometimes is best. And it does seem to have taken business email compromise to a new level of professionalism. One of the things I would recommend to organizations if they're worried about this, and they probably should be worried about business email compromise, is... Setting up DMARC so that your mail server, I know this is a bit nerdy, this. We'll link to some stuff on, on the web so you can read more if you haven't already done it. What you can do is you can protect your domain. So if, the, if criminals try and pose as you by using your domain, by forging an email, email systems can reject that email and say, well, that, that authentication doesn't appear to match. It's not entirely foolproof. They can still send you emails, but they won't be quite as convincing. Um, and so they're more likely Graham, to be Graham, you spotted. should write an article on your blog explaining exactly how to do this in well, simple terms <laughs> so that people can then do it. Because it's not straightforward. It's not straightforward. In my you, experience. You, you want someone in your IT team to set this up and also Graham's available, it, guys. Tweet him at, at G. <laughs> well, you want to be careful with this because I actually set this up for GrahamCluley.com, right? Because I thought, oh, well, that's a sensible mm. thing to do. I don't want people pretending to be me as if, you know. As if they would. But what I found was that the account software, which I use, sends invoices to people pretending to be my email address. And so some of my clients weren't receiving my invoices because they were being sent by my partner, not me, and it didn't work with DMARC. So it doesn't Great. So work. another sales pitch for the DMARC way. Well, <laughs> sadly, no, not for me uh, until my invoicing yeah. service. Uh, Can I just fixes. ask, what is DMARC? What is DMARC? Oh, it's an acronym. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I was like, "What you, is this thing? Is it? Is it like? Is it like? You've got to be in the inner like, club." It's, okay, it's like a special secrecy. It, it uh, is acronym. no. Look, I've just clicked on it in order to. Everyone calls it DMARC. It is domain-based message authentication, reporting, and conformance. <laughs> oh, great that we have an acronym. <laughs> so. <laughs> Michelle, you've got an interesting story for us, haven't you? Yes, I do, which is also a bit about people being sent fake stuff and Mm. then acting upon it. So in January of 2019, my name was used, a name very similar to mine, was used to basically smear a guy called Usman Sonko, who was one of the main runners for the presidential race in Senegal. Okay, so big stakes here. Yeah, big stakes, big stakes. And there was a sort of opinion piece that went out on a website called Modern Ghana. I write quite a lot about West Africa as a journalist. I usually write about UK-based companies or individuals 
who are doing things um, untoward in West Africa because I sort of started off working as a staff writer, a staff editor, writing about extractives. And I ended up being sort of writing a lot about Africa because it was in the same time zone. And because of that, I just ended up going to all these bizarre conferences and encountering lots of very interesting people who were involved in the mining and oil and energy industry. And I was really like, I was like, oh, so they all have offices in Mayfair and they all seem to <laughs> they're registered in the UK and they're on the alternative investment market or they're part of the London Stock Exchange. And yet I absolutely know that there's something very dodgy going on here. So that was kind of, that right. became my practice as an investigative journalist. That's what I was always interested. So you've been like a professional thorn in the side of firms, which maybe have been doing a few dodgy things in West Africa. Would that be fair to say? Yes, you've been... I've been doing it quite quietly. <laughs> Until now. Time, until now, because I, as a as a uh, as a freelance investigative journalist writing about people who've got lots of money and power, mm. there are certain advantages to not putting your name all over the place. Absolutely, you don't want your boat scuttled. Exactly. There's a reason why I live on a moving mm. boat without a fixed. <laughs> Do um, you have like a super huge power motor at the back, like? <laughs> No, I just get out and push it. <laughs> it's the slowest getaway vehicle you'll ever encounter. Like a Zamboni getaway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so I, I kind of like, for a long time I've sort of been writing for, like, I do investigations in connection with the Centre for Investigative Journalism and built little investigative groups around that. And I worked alongside groups from Global Witness and I've written bits for Private Eye and Africa Confidential and other mm. other publications. Mm. So I was kind of like, to people who knew that world, they might have known me a little bit, but somebody from Ghana probably wouldn't have come across me before. So this story went out on Modern Ghana and the author was called Michelle Damson. And, and your um, name is Michelle Madsen. Exactly. So they just moved oh. around some of the letters. Or maybe they didn't. Maybe Michelle Damson exists. Who yeah. knows? <laughs> so what happened basically was um, it didn't affect anyone in Ghana at all. But within like minutes of this story going out, it had been sent round with some documents to a whole bunch of different publications in Senegal. And obviously it mattered a lot to people in Senegal because that was where the election was going to happen in a few weeks' time. And so all of the papers in Senegal were saying, is this true? Has Usman Sonko taken this massive bribe from Tullo Oil, which is a British oil company? And who is the author of the story? Who is Michelle Damson? So when these stories are going out, like, is it all verified news or is it like all no, pending it, on this Michelle Damson? No, there's no paper trail. So it's all pending on this Michelle Damson opinion piece. And mm. then when the story goes out, out in Senegal, a couple of publications, including Dakar Actu and some of the blog sites, put out some evidence, which were some letters from Tallo Oil, which said, oh, Usman Sonko has given us some help and we're going to pay him some money. But these um, letters were definitely not made by, was it Cosmic Links? Because they um, had <laughs> put the Tullo logo right in the middle of the page and oh, it looked total dodgy. It's really dodgy. This was a stamp in a strange place. And right. you can kind of see that the language had been copied and pasted. And after like about 24 hours, this really fantastic fact checker at Agence France Perse called Anne-Sophie Febla-Cadre, she's like, wait a minute, I've seen that 
texts before and she found out they had been taken from a statement that Oxfam had put out on one of its websites about some project it had done. So she basically disproved these documents. But by that point, um, loads of photos of me have been taken off my Facebook account and put on the papers in Senegal. Why did they think you literally just because there were two letters and they thought that must be like if it was Graham Klugly... Yeah. Right? That someone had put yes, something but, out somewhere. But, Would Michelle, Graham- but this Michelle, right, rather than Michelle Damson, this Michelle we've got on right now, Michelle Madsen, has a history of writing articles about West Africa and about organisations okay, you know, doing stuff and messing And they just with thought politics. she was really ridiculous and thought she would hide her name by just swapping two letters. Well, maybe that's just an accident. Maybe it was just a typo. Oh, maybe it was a typo. Okay, or, okay. I'm or, with you. Or, I'm maybe, with you. or maybe, maybe people simply didn't even notice that the names are different. Can, can I just say, actually, to the listeners, Michelle Madsen has actually created a BBC show all about this investigation, and you can hear the entire show. We'll put a link to it in the show notes, and it's totally worth listening to. It's unbelievable. Anyway, yeah. sorry, I just want to make sure that people can have the whole show, because we're getting a kind of good synopsis here. But. Yeah, because the show sort of takes you on this adventure where I try and find out who who is Michelle Damsen. Why does somebody make this fake news story because it was a fake news story and 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 like who stood to gain from it because we took a look at fake news through this kind of like little prism of this news story but we are in such a strange moment in the world Uh, or maybe it's a perfectly normal moment in the world and everything else was strange but um (laughs) the way that the media works what's truth what's lies who's manipulating who it's happening everywhere all the time and this isn't just a story about Senegal it's a story being planted in one publication in one country and then being picked up in another country with the name of someone who sounds a bit like a journalist in a completely different country being linked out over to the states so it's kind of like it's the global nature of how this information and misinformation spreads and also what happens once you throw muck out there and it sticks, even if it's disproven, because words have that ability to kind of like click into your brain. And if you sort of see, oh, you know, a politician's name and massive bribe in the same story, mm. even if it's been disproved, politician did not take massive bribe. The words politician and yes. massive bribe are still in the same stories. And, and my name and Damson's name are still in the same story. So it's really about like how how do we get affected by news? What stays with us? What do we believe? And uh, how easy is it to spread rumours about people? Very. So you you're saying you're an investigative journalist. You like to keep your name on the down low. Yet you've put out this <laughs> podcast exposing all this. You know your name being used and the the non name and so so what's happened since has that changed stuff for you the decision to go ahead with this documentary was one which was sort of based on the fact that i had had a very ridiculous time i got this rush of messages on facebook on twitter my phone kept ringing like i was hounded (sighs) for about a week and a half and because i'd actually got some funding um and there's three of us journalists shanna jones who's also an associate with the center for investigative journalism and uh kevin mohammed um who is a fantastic sierra leonean journalist we had got together to investigate a really 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 important story about how bp got hold of a massive massive gas field just on the coast of senegal from a guy called frank timmis 
And this had been a story I've been working on for years. We got funding to go and investigate it. But three independent journalists going to Dakar, investigating something really, really sensitive. And because of this story, it really like compromised my ability to do a good job with this. Because every time right. I went into a meeting, everyone was like, oh, you're Michelle Damson. I was like, no. I'm not, I'm Michelle Madsen, but I realised that like the ridiculousness of my identity had kind of been heightened by this. And then also Panorama, we got, we got scooped on the story by uh, the BBC. So Panorama oh, put out. Oh, the bastards. Well, they got it. They got a, a, a 17 gigabyte leaked cache of documents, which completely blew our stuff out of the water. And then they put out the documentary like two days after we got back from Senegal. So we were like, okay shucks that's been uh, screwed up but it was really that's a really really important documentary for Senegal because it really has highlighted the links between government and big business and what's going on corruption exactly exactly and so this slightly ridiculous story about identity and fake news and cyber craziness is kind of like a way of connecting with all of the different threads of the story. And I just decided that like my head had been flung out above the parapet anyway. And I was like, okay, I better own this and work on this. And hopefully it will allow me to kind of go back and do some more investigative work around what's actually going on with the BP stuff. Because ultimately, whoever wrote this story, whatever happened, it's a small fry bit of news. I think it probably did have some sort of impact on the election, but it's one bit of fake Mm. news in amongst Mm. a maelstrom of other stuff which you'll find out if you listen to the program and it's very funny we we interview um Usman Sonko who's the politician who was smeared and there are lots of little uh pointers which may suggest we have our thoughts about who it could have been but uh, that's it yeah you have to listen to find out more it's a fascinating documentary and and we'll put a link in the show notes so people can uh, listen to more Michelle I've got a plan for you Okay. I think you're now an influencer in this area, right? <laughs> because so she's been you, on Smashing Security. That's well, why. Yeah, obvs, we have, a, we have right? more influence than the Ghana Daily as to what right, goes on in exactly. Senegal. We've got a lot of listeners out there. Like she can't even walk in East Africa or West Africa without people going, oh, you're Michelle Damson. So, <laughs> so you're now made. So I say move there. Get yourself your iPhone and then just start going investigating and do it on the fly. Real time, real life upload videos to Twitch about your investigations. You'll become the influencer. You'll become like Mr. Hush Puppy. That is what I want. And I can move to Dubai and hang out in my private jet narrowboat. Oh my God, that's (laughs) me. That's my dream. How did you know, Carol? Carol, what's your story for us this week? Okay, well, we were supposed to record this episode yesterday, and I collected all my notes for the Hmm. story, and then I promptly, two minutes before we were due to record, lost them all. Oh, no. Something else happened at the same time that made us have to change the time, but I'm going to tell you what happened. Which is, I I went on a bike ride and got lost. (laughs) (laughs) Michelle went on a bike ride. (laughs) But I will tell you what happened after the story because it is rather ironic. So uh, before I start as well, you have to know that I'm disorganized. Like uh, my inbox has like 10,000 mails in all of my inboxes. No, no, no. Come, come. Not you, Carol. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, have, I have folders. Like literally my desktop is like all bits of different information. And when it's full, I just select it all, dump it into a folder called desktop. I think I'm at desktop 14. And then I just leave it in a folder on the desktop and then I fill it up again. <laughs> for real 
Is that normal? Do you guys do that or is that crazy? I have 25,000 unread um, emails in my inbox. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay, exactly. Okay, Michelle, we're, the, we're, we're cut from the same cloth. Look, I, I have just diagnosed myself. Maybe you will agree with this, this diagnosis. Digital disposophobia, the fear of organizing and disposing of things. I think that's great. Oh, you're like one of these these programs where they go into the houses of people who yes. have some sort of mental problem where they're all <laughs> in. digital disposophobic. Oh my Yeah, it's goodness. an illness. It's an ailment. And maybe you need to show a bit more sympathy. <sighs> Please, can we show we set up a support group? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's do it. <laughs> yes, you can join us on Twitter. Okay, so so you won't be surprised then that I use copy and paste and, you know, your clipboards on the phone to dump and collect stuff and transfer it over between uh, apps and devices mm-hmm. all the time. I'm sure you yeah. do too, Michelle. Yeah. Yeah, when you're doing stories or whatever, <laughs> oh, grab that URL or just, oh, that password's too long. Let me just grab that password and slap it over to another thing. Copy and paste is possibly the greatest invention of all technology, I think. Yeah, well, we all know it. Um, imagine computers without... A yeah. clipboard. Yeah. It would just be horrendous. Yeah. I mean, we've, you, I've been using yeah. it since like what, word perfect time? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question. Hmm. Would I just need to know if I'm batshit crazy. <laughs> would only an insane person assume <laughs> Hello. that the only person that knows what's been copied onto your clipboard, right, mm. is you and your devices? I'd hope so. You're going to tell us we're wrong, aren't you? You, you I think most people <laughs> would make that assumption, yes. Most, like most, like, can you just give it a percentage, like 99? Oh, think? definitely, definitely, yeah. yes. Because how could anyone else know? Okay, so so Michelle and I are people that would believe that. And uh, no, we're wrong, Michelle. We're way wrong. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> According to two researchers, Talal Hazbakri and Thomas Misk of the Misk blog, a great source of information, way back in March of this year, they found that popular apps snoop on the clipboard, pasteboard thing on iPhone and iPad apps. Mm. So they create a video. Right. Saying, showing. Now, this is how it works. So you have a clipboard and uh, you've copied something over. Right. Let's say you copied over a URL or your pas- pas- password or your credit card number and uh, you've pasted it somewhere. Mm. But once you've pasted it, it doesn't go away. See, that's the big weird thing about copy and paste. You can only copy one thing. It only saves the last thing you copied. But after you've pasted it, it doesn't go poof. You could paste it again, right? You can press Control-V, Control-V, Control-V to your heart's content. Yeah, you've basically got to sort of paste something over it, haven't you? It, there's always something there. There is always something there. So imagine you've just taken your credit card number and you've transferred it over to a website because mm. you want to buy something. And then you've forgotten all about it. And when you then open up your TikTok app, for example... The first thing it does is goes and checks what's on the clipboard. And then anytime you interact with that TikTok app, say, for example, type a letter, check the clipboard, type another letter, check the clipboard, type another letter, check the clipboard. Constant. Why is TikTok? I, I must admit, I'm, I know this will be a surprise to listeners, but I don't use TikTok. But why does TikTok do that? Uh, no one fucking knows. Their <laughs> excuse their excuse when, when, when confronted with this was, oh, it's something to do with anti-spam. You probably wouldn't understand. We'll stop that. <laughs> right. Okay. That's comforting. But I was like, you know, WTF-IDF? Like- <laughs> Hang on. Let me just work that out. <laughs> WTF-IDF. 
right? <laughs> now, look, <laughs> in the document, okay, it's not just TikTok. That's the problem. This is a running tally. This is keep growing this list. Look at all these apps on your phones that do this. Wow. This is, this is a lot of apps. New York Times, I'm a freaking subscriber. Why do they need to know what's in my clipboard every time I use the app? The Economist, I'm a subscriber. Yeah. Why do they need to know what's in my clipboard? Block Puzzle and uh, with Fruit Ninja? Fruit Ninja. Why do they need to know what's my freaking Fruit Ninja? Clipboard? <laughs> um, so there's quite a long list here. So we'll link to this. This I, this, I think, is on the MISC blog, isn't it? That's right. Now, what's quite cool about this list is they have obviously uh, been, you know, shaming, calling out and shaming these people. And some of them have actually made changes, like right. TikTok is going to change that practice, despite its very poor excuse. And uh, other people like ABC News used to do it. Don't do it anymore. Uh, CBS News used to do it. They don't do it anymore. But and I heard LinkedIn as well. They yes. Well, thank you. I'm getting there. Oh, okay. Um, the latest that have come up, which was yesterday, was Reddit and LinkedIn. Right. Both were doing it as well. So uh, watch this space. It's worth bookmarking this misc.blog so that you can see what sites are doing it. And you've got to ask yourself, do you want these apps on your phone? Because here's the problem problem, right? This is the big, yeah. this is my big, you know, I, I, I don't think I can bring my voice any higher and shit. <laughs> I'm just going to put another soapbox on the soapbox I have. Okay. So the reason this is news, this came out in March, but why is it news now? Well, iOS 14 is about to come out and they're beta testing it. This is where a group of people test the new operating system to find bugs, vulnerabilities, and usability errors. And this is a very important thing to do. And one, there's, you know, we're all excited about this new IS-14 because there's loads of new features, including some privacy features. One of these privacy features is it's going to tell you when something grabs something from right. your clipboard. Yep. So if you were, for example, using Reddit and uh, you're, you're clipping along and you type something in, it's going to show you at the top going Reddit access clipboard, Reddit access clipboard. This little message will pop down and tell you. Mm. So the people that have been testing this have been going, holy moly, the whole story now has exploded again, which is great. Now, here's the problem. I went and looked at the iOS 14 yeah. page, because this is, this is my big worry. I was reading this, mm -hmm. and I was thinking, uh-oh, uh-oh, because this is what it said. This is from Mac Rumors. I'm just going to quote them, right? So the clipboard privacy function. When an app or widget accesses text that has been copied to the clipboard, iOS 14 provides a notification so you can know what apps are accessing the text stored on the clipboard. Do you see the problem here? Uh, well, it doesn't actually stop it. Right. Yeah. So we are going to build... <laughs> You think you're anxious right now? <laughs> it's really stressful. This is horrible. I knew that Fruit Ninja was going to be stealing my information. Yes. It's, it's not just Fruit Ninja. I've just been looking up and down the list. There's Plants vs. Zombies. And this one caught my attention. Pigment, which is an adult colouring book. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if they mean, I if they mean <laughs> a colouring book for adults or whether... <laughs> Now, I heard this one guy online, this one guy online was saying, look, you know, there, there is a legitimate reason why some right. people might do this. For example, you might want to copy over a URL and right. Google might want to go, hey, I can get you to my app faster than anybody else because I'm your, at your default browsing app. So I'm just going to check your clipboard as you open my app and I'll just open the latest thing that's clipped there because I can do oh, that. Oh, because they could then sort of 
prepare a preview of the link. Make the experience faster. Well, it's also make the, yeah, right. they, they, they preempt you. Mm. But this explains a lot to me because, well, you know, of course, a lot of companies now are saying, oh, we never really used that data. Um, no, no one said sorry. Everyone's just like, oh, okay, well, we'll remove it. But they're, they're, okay, so you've, you've given an explanation from some developers as to what might be going on. But fuck off. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> there must be some reason. You wouldn't code this because I, I'm sure the adult coloring book doesn't want to cut and paste or see what's in your clipboard, right? Plants versus zombies. Why would, why would they want this? There must be some gaming reason. So I wonder if they're worried about too many presses. or I, d- I don't know, Carol, but it just seems, it, it does seem weird. Yes. It just sucks. There's a lot of things that suck here. It sucks that iOS 14 or Babes is going to notify us, but we can't do anything about it, making us all more insane than we are already. Can we actually not do anything about it? So if you get this new iPhone, then you, there's nothing you can do. Yeah, there's a shitty, shitty thing you can do. <laughs> there's two shitty things you can do. <laughs> yeah. One, don't use copy and paste on your phone. Right. Okay. It's okay. one. Tricky. And two, if you do use copy and paste, this is this is the crawl technique. Okay. Someone might have a much better one than right. this. Probably. Make sure you close down all the apps that are like sitting there hovering in the background, open but not open, but open. Then go to the one place you want to copy it, copy it, paste it to the one place you want to paste it, and then copy the word you or something like that <laughs> oh, for so sake. that so that you know f- stop reading my freaking clipboard maybe you could put in and uh, then anyone who reads the clipboard will see that and maybe if everyone went stop reading my clipboard they might get the message and people like the new york times and the economist will get their art together it's just so irritating though that you have to go through all of this do all this work yourself just to keep people out, you know, essentially go, get out of my house. Stop it. Stop snooping around. It's like every time you turn you back, there's a whole like pile of gremlins that come in and start going through your underwear. It's so annoying. Yep. It's completely excruciating. Oh, and the end of my story is what made this so funny. So I was just talking all of, I wrote a whole story about copy and paste. And then about, I finished my story yesterday. I then copied and then pasted twice, but accidentally copied it between like four words. Uh-huh. And because I was using notes, I had lost what was in my copy and I had lost everything that I wrote two minutes oh, before. Don't worry, minute. contact the Plants vs. Zombies guys. They'll have a copy of it. Yeah, yeah, I'll just say, hey, dude. <laughs> Solo for Research Toolbox from Authenticate is a secure and anonymous web browsing solution that enables threat intelligence, security, and public safety professionals to conduct research, collect evidence, and analyze data across the open, deep, and dark web. To learn how Silo for Research enables teams to timely and efficiently investigate while ensuring maximum security and oversight to ensure compliance, including GDPR, go to smashingsecurity.com slash authenticate. That's smashingsecurity.com slash authenticate. And that is spelt authentic with a number eight on the end. Use a password manager. Just do it. These aren't my words. These are the words of Brian X. Chen, the lead consumer technology writer at the New York Times. It's time that everybody uses a password manager, both at home and at work. Now get this, LastPass from LogMeIn offer businesses a secure vault with centralized secure access, single sign-on, and simplifies remote management of all these accounts. And guess what, you home users out there? You can get LastPass free. For more info, go to smashingsecurity.com forward slash 
LastPass. That's smashingsecurity.com forward slash LastPass. And welcome back. And you join us on our favourite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Sorry, speaking. Pick of the Week. <laughs> Pick of the Week. Pick of the week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they wish. It doesn't have to be security-related necessarily. Better not be. Um, Well, my pick of the week is not security-related this week. It is about a chap who died this week. Oh, so sad. Ennio Morricone has died at the grand old age of 91. Of course, he wrote the soundtrack to many great movies. Sometimes the soundtrack was better than the movie. Sometimes they made the movie soar and be magnificent. You know, I, I remember, oh, I just like the good and the bad and the ugly, right? Yes, that's a great movie. Great soundtrack. Do you remember Cinema Paradiso where it's getting all, yeah. it shows all the naughty clips at the end, the kissing scene montage? Fantastic movie. The Mission, good old Jeremy Irons up to his knees in the water, tooting on his oboe. <laughs> what a dream that was. And the one which really stands out for me was as a 12-year-old boy, I used to watch BBC TV and there was a programme for adults, which wasn't very exciting for me. It was a very dull... It was about... It's called The Life and Times of David Lloyd George with Philip Maddock playing the Welsh politician. And the music... So, so how old were you when you watched this? I was about 12. And... Uh, you, you, know, lived, I, I, but, you lived, but... But, but I, I particularly, to this day, remember the theme tune which was written by Ennio Morricone. And do you know that that theme tune, which is called Chi Mai, I'm probably saying that wrong, which I believe is Italian for whoever, that reached number two in the UK pop charts. And it was a magnificent piece of music. And that's how I will always think of Ennio Morricone. It was also used in an Asterix movie where Dogmatics is chasing a legionnaire in slow motion. But that's not quite as poetic. Yeah, he's a dude. R.I.P. Ennio, really. Ennio Morricone. So there you go. I will put some links in the show notes so you can check out that theme tune and maybe even watch an episode of The Life and Times of David Lloyd George as well. I looked at that video for like 10 seconds and I was like, yeah, nope, not for me. But there you go. Well, thank you for pissing all over my pick of the week. Uh, now, well, it'll be interesting to see if you piss all over mine. Actually. Well, maybe I will. Michelle, what's your pick of the week? Oh, I love I love all the competition. Um, my uh, pick of the week is um, it's a poem. It's a I'm putting my other hat on. Um, <laughs> it's a poem which is written by a Bristol-based poet called Malika Kagode, um, and it's uh, she put it out on um, Twitter and Facebook, and it's basically uh, all a, a list of all the microaggressions I think she's ever. Um, sort of suffered as a person of colour and it's absolutely brilliant and I will include the link to it and I'll send it over to you Um, but I really like it's super super honest and straightforward and very funny and also very touching and uh, yeah she's great she um, was published by the same publisher as me Burning Eye Books they're also a Bristol based publisher and um, she is great I recommend her to you all oh marvellous thank you for raising the cultural tone because now of course we're going to plummet back down (laughs) and find out what is Carole's pick of the week Okay, well, it's not a pick of the week, Graham. It's a nitpick oh, right. of the week. And I'm looking forward to see if you're going to piss all over it. <laughs> it's my mom. 
She's lovely. Your mum? She's not. She's she, gorgeous. I'm not nitpicking at my, on my mom. Just I'm just setting the story. Calm down. Oh, okay. So my mom, she's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. She's pretty and she's awesome. <laughs> she's, she's like mid-70s. She's a whirlwind of a lady, like a dog oh, yeah. whisperer, long-distance walker, <laughs> DIY queen, like the family glue. Hot tub lover. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Graham's always had a bit of a penchant for my Wow, mind, I, can, I can hear that. I think there's always been a certain magic between us. <laughs> <laughs> they, Ever since we shared that hot tub or that cold night in December. <laughs> All I'm saying is you love my mom more than you love me. And that's fine. Mm, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> what is my mom's name? Not your pet name for her. What's her real name? Karen. Yes. Yes. Karen is her name. And this mm. year... Oh. Right? The crapness that is 2020 so far, the Karen meme is everywhere. So much so that my worst fear happened, it managed to get into her own echo chamber. Oh. Oh, no. And for those who aren't sure about the Karen meme, can you believe there's actually a Wikipedia definition? And I want you, Graham, to tell me, yeah, this is this describes your mom, this is perfect or not, Okay. Karen is a pejorative term used in the US and other English-speaking countries for a woman perceived to be entitled or demanding beyond the scope of what is considered appropriate or necessary. She's not always appropriate, your mother, I have to say, but I quite like that about her. (laughs) (laughs) A common stereotype is that a is that of a racist oh, no. white woman who uses her privilege to demand her own way at the expense of others. Depictions may include demanding to speak to the manager, being an anti-faxer, having a particular bob-cut hairstyle. What? <laughs> particular hairstyle? Yeah. As of wow. 2020, the what? term was increasingly used <laughs> to be a general purpose term of disapproval for middle-aged white women. Whoa! So this is pretty heavy stuff, right? That's not very nice, really. I I think it's not very nice for people who happen to be called Karen. It's not very nice for your (laughs) mum. Yes! I thought we could try it out. So, like, imagine we could just kind of go, oh, stop being such a Graham. God, you see that Graham over there? Oh, look at the Graham! So that's the kind of stuff that's happening. And, like, you know... Anyway, so she calls me. Yeah, your mum, yeah. She calls me and she goes, Crawl, have you heard about this term called Karen and it refers to people being absolute assholes? <gasps> Broke my heart. You know, anyway, so uh, what is she supposed to do? Change her name to Steve? No, don't do that. That would be confusing. Um- <laughs> <laughs> so I'm starting a campaign, another campaign. This is the second campaign I've started in one show. And I'm asking you, dear listeners, maybe we shouldn't use like a really a common people's names as a way of describing something so awful for my beautiful mom's sake. And what about all the other Karens out there? The good Karens, the lovely Karens. Well, Karen is quite a common name, but in some ways it would be even worse if it was a less common name, right? If it was something like Kendra, which I imagine is not as common. Why do we have to use a name? Why can't well, we just I agree, say... I agree. But I just think those people would be feel even worse in can't a way. Can't we just say dickheads? <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can reclaim Karen. Yeah, I think we should try and reclaim Karen. It's going to be hard, though. It's, it's, we can reclaim yeah. Karen. What's the male equivalent? Graham. Graham. Graham is very similar to Karen. Yeah. <laughs> it's gammon. It's gammon, isn't it? I quite I quite like the term gammon. I think that's quite that's got some humor about it. Anyway, it's just it's a bit close to home and there you go. There's my nitpick of the week. 
And your mum's gorgeous. Girl. She is, and she's, and I love her a lot. So, oh, well, send her my mom if you're listening. I'm, I'm, I'm on your side. Graham, are you in? Does she, does she listen to this? Yeah, she does. She's gonna have heard everything you oh, said. Crikey! <laughs> <laughs> Ew, stop being gross. And on that bombshell. <laughs> well, that just about wraps it up. Hi, Karen. I'm, I'm here for you, Karen, as well. <laughs> Yay, Karen! <laughs> well, that just about wraps it up for this week, um, Michelle. I'm sure lots of our listeners, Michelle, would love to follow you online. What's the best way for folks to do that? Um, or they can follow me um, at Mish Madsen, which is my kind of like catch-all um, uh, Twitter handle, or at Madsen Journal, which is when I am pretending to not also be various other things, like a poet. The more professional, Michelle. <laughs> they can also listen to the show, which is on BBC Sounds, and it's called My Fake News Who Done It, and um, uh, it was produced by my great producer Flora Carmichael, and um, it's a good listen. So it's sunny. Listen, people, it's great. Please do. <laughs> and you can follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity. No G. Twitter wouldn't allow us to have a G. And follow us on Reddit as well. Join our subreddit for Smash Insecurity news. And don't forget, if you want to be sure never to miss another episode, subscribe in your favourite podcast apps such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Pocket Casts. A huge thank you from all of us to you for listening, for supporting, for sharing. We love all of you so much. And also, hat tip this week to our Smashing Security sponsors, Authenticate and LastPass. Their support helps us give you this show for free. Check out smashingsecurity.com for past episodes, sponsorship details, and information on how to get in touch with us. Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. Later. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Um, I was a little bit on my soapbox there, eh? I yelled a lot. No, but I think you were right to be. I think it's great. It's really sad that, yeah, like, it's a name, isn't it? Yes. Why the fuck are we only finding out about it now? Oh, hang on. Are you talking about the clipboard? Are you talking about Karen? Oh. (laughs) Because I'd be worried if you'd only found out about your mum's name 10 years ago. What's she called? (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.